we're continuing the series, You and Me, as we've been talking about relationships over the last several weeks. And uh, we've been talking about all types of relationships. The principles we've been digging into, I hope you've understood, they can apply to anything. It doesn't matter if it's your marriages, your friendships, your families, at, the, at work, at school, wherever you're at, these types of principles can really apply. And what we're going to talk about today is just like that. Uh, now, there's something that's true. If you've ever met me and Amber or really hung out with us, you realize that we're a little different from one another, okay? Drastically uh, different drastically from one another. Drastically <laughs> different from one another. There's a lot of things that are different. So, so she's... She grew up small town girl. I grew up in Chicago. So how many out there can relate? How many small town people we got? Raise your hand if you're small town yes. people. Okay, where yes. are the big city people at? You grew up in the big city. Okay, exactly. So there's a little bit of difference here for us. There's something else if you spend time with us, you understand when it comes to cleanliness, there's something a little bit different. Amber's real clean, okay? Like spotless. And I don't mind a little clutter in my life. How many out there are like me? You're the clutter people. It's Drives okay. Drives me you're crazy. Okay, you're all right. Okay, where are the clean freaks at? Raise your hand. The clean freaks, okay. You annoy us all, okay? All of you do. You annoy, imagine what our house would look <laughs> like true. if it wasn't It's true. It would be a disaster, me. absolute disaster. And then when it comes to financials, there's always just that little bit different because there's one in our relationship that really likes to spend the money. Who's that? Craig. And, and I tend to like to save the money. I mean, you can relate. I mean, out there are the spenders. Raise your hand if you're the spenders, Okay. Okay, raise your hand if they're the savers out there. Where are the savers at, okay? And usually you're married to each other, and that's just fun, exciting. Keeps oh, things, that is fun and exciting. Keeps things spicy, okay? So and like, I like, to, I mean, I, I don't mind to exercise, and I like to do those kind of things, but let's just be honest, I would choose ice cream over working out. Who's with me on that one? Raise your hand, right, okay? But Amber's not. She would rather work out. Where are the people that like to work out? Okay, so they're exactly. That's fine. There's a few. All, there's a few of you. <laughs> You're boring. Come, come with us. Ice, come with us, ice cream people. We're way more fun. Okay, let's just ask that question. <laughs> who's the fun one and who's not the fun one? We all know that answer. <laughs> now we really wish I didn't have a microphone. <laughs> And then my favorite question, I love asking this one because we're, we're wired differently as well. Like, if you might be surprised by this, but she's an extrovert in case you're totally shocking, isn't it? Uh, I'm the introvert. I'm a high-functioning introvert, but I'm the introvert. So I'm out there. Raise your hand if you're the extrovert. Raise your hand if you're extroverts, okay? Give me a whoop-whoop if you're an extrovert because that's usually, there you go. There it is. Okay, and all the introverts, just nod your heads gently. Yeah, and I'm with you. I resonate. Let's go sit quietly and read a book or something. It's good for our soul. But Again, who is the fun one and who is the boring one? <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to take your microphone away from you. No. Uh, so, so clearly, like, we're different, but you look around a room like this, and we're all different. Like, we all have different things, where we're, where we're wired, what we like, how we react. We're all a little bit different. But even with all of our differences, we all have one thing in common. And it's actually something every one of us craves, every single one of us needs, but it's also something that that we all struggle to prioritize and we struggle to give it the attention that it deserves. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I think this is going to be a really helpful conversation. We're going to be a little bit shorter here this morning because we want to give time for our small groups, but I think God wants to speak to us. If you got your Bibles, we're going to look at a passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 11. 1 Chronicles chapter 11, if you turn that, it's in the Old Testament, about a quarter of the way through your Bibles, if you're turning there, uh, beginning in verse number 15. And would you, if you uh, do so, would you stand with us as we're going to read uh, just a few verses together. If you're new here, this is just what we do to honor God's word. We always stand uh, for the reading of our primary text here. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 15 says this. Three of the 30 chiefs came down to David to the rock at the cave of Agilom, 
while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, <laughs> oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate at Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David wouldn't drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us and speak to our hearts today. It's something that's really, really important. Lord, I pray that you just have us a moment, give us a moment just to reflect. Help us to understand, just take an analysis of where we're at right now and help us to take steps forward, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Well, to understand uh, some of you, like, what in the world did we just read? And uh, so before we get there, I'm gonna, just going to say, what, what is the thing? We're all different. What is the thing that we all crave? What is the thing that we all need? The thing that we need is deep and meaningful relationships. That's what we need. Every one of us craves it. Doesn't matter if you're an introvert. Doesn't matter if you're an extrovert. You might not want as many friends as an introvert, but you crave deep, meaningful relationship. And so when you look at this story, I love this story about David. Uh, it's in reference to th the three. It talks about the three. What are the three he's talking about? If you read the entire chapter 11 here, it talks about David and his mighty men. He had a group that we know about David. David was the guy who killed Goliath, right? He's this amazing king, amazing warrior, all this stuff. But he had a group of men around him that he called his mighty men. And it says that there were 30 of them, these amazing warriors that came alongside him. So he had the 30, but he, more than just the 30, he had three that were his closest, the ones who knew him, that rallied around him. And what I love in this story is that David has a moment. There's a battle going on. And he's sitting there, and he's just thirsty, and he just wants a drink. He wants something of home. But I, what I love in this story is he doesn't ask his friends to do anything. He's sitting there, and he's sharing his heart. He didn't tell him to do something, didn't make a command. You can tell by what happens in the story. He didn't tell him what to do. He was the guy in charge, didn't say anything. They just knew what he wanted. They, knew, they were close to him. They knew his heart. And they got together and said, you know what? We're going to go do something for David right now. So they break into the battle lines, and they go get a glass of water from this well that he desperately wanted, and they came and they brought it to David. And instead of drinking it, what does he do? He pours it out. He says, I can't drink. This is too valuable. It's too precious for me to just drink it. I'm going to offer it as, a, as an offering to God. That's how valuable this is. See, this is a powerful moment because David was a man, although he's, he's this amazing warrior, he was a man who understood relationship. We saw earlier in his life, you know David and Jonathan, this close relationship that they had, where they cared for one another, they loved one another. It was this intimate relationship. But what we see with David and his mighty men is a whole nother level. We see these guys who literally will put their lives on the line for one another. They know the heart. They knew what he desired, and they say, you know what? We're going to do whatever we can for him because we love him that much, and we'll put our lives on the line. So in our culture, we tend to celebrate independence. Like our heroes, a lot of times, are the people who can kind of pave their way and do the thing. Like, look how awesome I am. I'm amazing. I got this thing. And it's not all bad. 
Like, independence isn't a, a totally a bad thing. As parents, we all want our kids to have some level of independence. I love my kids, okay? But my goal is that someday when they're 40, they will no longer live in my house. Yeah. Amen, right? Like, I love them. Please don't live in my house when you're 40, all right? We're going to try and move. Like, I want, I want them to have a level of independence. What we don't want is them to be isolated. And more and more, our world is growing isolated. More and more, our world is growing relationally bankrupt. Like, we know lots of people. We come into contact with lots of people. You go to work, you got all these people. You go to school, you know all these people. At church, you look around, you're like, I know all these people. Online, you know all these people. The question is, who really knows you? And who do you really know, right? Yeah, you know, we have so many relationships that are acquaintances. We think because we know people on social media and we know all about their life that they're like our people. When really, you're like the creepy neighbor that's just stalking somebody <laughs> online. You know, like, they, you don't really know them. You just see their highlight reel and then you think you know them. And the unfortunate part is I think we walk into this building and we say hi and we have this small talk with people and we leave and we have no relationship with anybody. We still are hiding the deepest, darkest secrets. We're still putting on the facade and acting like we got it all together. And we're doing the small talk, which, come on, is so awkward. I, I mean, <laughs> I would much rather know somebody than small talk and pretend I know somebody. But we do that all the time. And that can be so dangerous in the church. Yeah. More than just what we experience, even our language in the church sometimes can, help be, can be a little toxic for us. Uh, because in the church, we use this phrase. You've heard me say this. We use the phrase, your personal relationship with Jesus. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And that's a good thing, right? Because it's in reaction to a, like a stale religious idea of faith. So it's a good thing to call the personal relationship with Jesus. But I think it misses the vision what, that God has for the church. Like your relationship was never supposed to just be personal. It's not supposed to just be you and Jesus. Like there's a vision that's grander than that. There's a picture that's bigger than that that we in, see throughout Scripture. What's the picture that God uses to describe the church? A family. And it, he gives an even more specific picture than that. He uses the picture of a body, right? The body of Christ. We are a part of the body of Christ. Every single one of us is a part of the body of Christ. You play a part. Some of you are fingers. Some of you are toes. Some of you are elbows. Somebody's an armpit. I don't know who, but somebody is. Right? We all have a part to play in the body. It's gross. I know. Sorry. But we all are a part of this body. And here's what happens. You can only function connected to the body. Like you say, I'm a finger. Great. You cut the finger off. It's lying there dead and bloody. <laughs> sorry. I'm getting real graphic this morning. Armpits and bloody fingers. <laughs> yeah, turn mine off. That's fine. But you're, like, that's what happens. Like, you have to be connected to the body to actually function. That's God's desire for you. And so what does the enemy oftentimes try to do to us? He tries to get us separated from the body. He's just like the lion that tries to get that one little antelope or whatever, you know, disconnected from the body, the group and the herd. Why? Because that's how they get it. 
And that's what the enemy oftentimes does to us. And when you look at Jesus and how he interacted with his disciples, uh, you see the same thing at model. Jesus constantly was in this community. It wasn't him just disconnected from people. He was with people. He had this whole crowd that was with him. Then he had the 12 that were with him. And then he had his three that were the closest. And then he had the one. Like, he was constantly building a relationship with other people. Yeah, and Greg and I will vouch for this. You know, I can only talk about myself up here, but... We're needy. We need people in our life. And in our job and in our work, it's really easy to give to everybody else and not prioritize ourselves. And the same is for all of you, right? Uh, I actually, a good friend of mine who I'll talk about a few times this morning, um, we were going through a crazy season in our life. And she's like, Amber, you're making time for all of these other people who are sucking the life out of you. And you're not making time for the people that are going to pour into you, Hmm. that actually have your back. that are your mighty men. And that is like so important. Sometimes you need to stop and reevaluate of who do I have pouring life into me? If I'm constantly pouring out, I'm gonna have nothing left to give. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But more than just life um, in in just kind of the normal thing, if we wanna be able to have faith, we have to have people in our life that actually encourage that faith, Mm -hmm. right? Because you might be like, yeah, I got people in my life. I got relationships, okay. Are any of those people actually helping you in your faith journey? And, uh, and so what we're going to do over the next few moments is this is going to be an, uh, a chance for us to kind of talk about some things. But while we're doing this, it's a chance for you to analyze and critique where you're at in your life today. Um, we're going to walk through five different areas of our life that we need people in our lives. God's designed us. Is, is Christ our source? Absolutely. But there's something about the way he designed us where we have a need for others as well. He built us that way, that, that we need those around us to encourage us. And so, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through five areas of our lives where we need people. And I want you to specifically ask, who do I have in my life that can do this? And not just in a very generic sense, but specifically when it comes to my faith, who can do this for me in a way that is spiritually um, just taking you in the right direction, all right? So we're going to walk through this area, all right? Number one, who do you have in your life to encourage you? Who do you have in your life to encourage you? Who do you have in your life that can support you, lift you up? I'm not talking somebody who just like says, oh, you look pretty today, right? You need that sometimes. But somebody who genuinely encourages you in a way. And sometimes that's emotional. Sometimes that's like you need somebody just to lift you up, to point you in the right direction. But sometimes it's really, really practical. Like there's practical ways we can do that. Yeah, and I'm going to just speak before I start to the seniors that are graduating. As I'm sitting here thinking about all of these things that we're going to go through, these are vital for you as you go out on yep. your own. Yep. These are things that you need to take with us, and we all need, but I'm just thinking about those seniors this morning. Uh, I was on bed rest with our middle child for 18 weeks, 10 weeks, a long time, a long time, most of the pregnancy with him. And it was one of those, like, I was on strict bed rest. I got to choose if I took a shower or I sat at the table for dinner. And it was a really hard season of my life. And um, I had community. I was at a church. We were on staff at a church. But I didn't really have those people. You know, those people that will drop, like, everything to support you, to be there for you. And I had just met this friend of mine. And I'm going to say her name, and she's here, so she'll have to get over it. Her name is Erica. And, uh, yeah, she gets a shout-out. She's putting her head down. Okay, anyways, her name is Erica. And she had three little kids of her own, and I'm put on strict bed rest, and she hardly knows me. We met each other at church really quick. And every day, she would drop everything to come to my house. She'd clean my house. She'd do the laundry. 
She'd do whatever she had to do to just be there for me. She showed up. That's all she did. So many of you are waiting for a friend to show up with, to you. Sometimes you just need to show up for somebody. Yep. Sometimes you need to get off your butt and say, you know what? I'm going to go be that person for somebody else. Yep. And that's exactly what she did. She had little kids of her own, and she'd pack them up in the van, and she'd bring them with me or with her, and she'd come to my house, and she would serve me yeah. from the morning until the evening. And that's what it means to have that person that will be in your corner. And you can be that person to somebody. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna t I'll talk to the introverts in the room because that's, that's me and I resonate there. But us introverts, sometimes we're waiting for the extrovert to come be our friend, okay? Because we're not the bold one to go make the friends. So we're like, oh, well, I hope somebody is my friend. Why has nobody come being my friend? And I just think sometimes we just got to step up, go be that friend for somebody. Go step out. Go find that person. Go, go encourage somebody else. See, that's what we, we need this in our life, but oftentimes we're waiting. Sometimes we need to be the one to take the step to do it. And more than just encourage, I'm going to ask you, who do you have in your life that encourages you in the word? Do you have anybody that's, that's speaking the word to you, that reminding you of what God has to say about things? Because you may have friends that are like, oh, yeah, they say nice things to me. They say whatever. But does anybody, when you're bringing something that you're struggling with, that they say, hey, I got a word. For, this is what God says to you. Here's what the word shares. Is there anybody that you are that for? If you don't, that's what we need. Like, honestly, when somebody says just nice things to me, that feels good. But when they come and say, this is what the word of God has to say, there's something in my spirit that builds my faith. Like, that's what I need. We all need that, all right? And so, number one, we need somebody to encourage you. Number two, who do you have in your life to challenge you? Who do you have in your life to challenge you? Yeah, and I think this can look different for everybody. Greg said, I love to work out. That is something I want to prioritize in my life personally. And so I'm in a fitness group and it's online and it, we connect every day online. And that's accountability for me. Uh, working out, I said this a few weeks ago, it's my kryptonite. So for me to be a healthier person, it's better for me to exercise. And so I have this group that holds me accountable every single day, checking in with me, encouraging me, challenging me, cheering me on. And I think we all need that. And it can look different for everybody. Yeah. And I want to say this for when it comes to being around or being challenged by people, who you have around you will determine how much you're being challenged. Who you have around you will determine how much you're being challenged. In certain rooms, I am like amazingly fit, okay? Just depends on who I'm with. Like I, I'm going to be honest, Amber and I joke about this all the time. Like when I stand on the sidelines with my kids, sporting events, I look, I look up and down. I'm like, I could take every one of these guys in a foot race. You know, like I feel pretty good about myself. But I get into other rooms. I go into the, I go into the weight room at the gym and I'm like, I feel really bad about myself. Like, but, but who you have around you challenges you. You know, like, like yesterday, I was with one of my buddies, and I had been working out for about four or five months, and suddenly, I, the, and I, I had to, like, put some muscle on. I was starting to get stronger. I was not. I'm not. No, nobody else saw it, but I saw it. And I was with my buddy yesterday, and I'm sitting, and he doesn't know this, but I'm saying, I got to get back to the gym. <laughs> like, because who you're around, is, it sets the level, the bar for you a little bit. And the same thing is true spiritually. Here's the problem, is that you say, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay in my faith, because of who, who you're with. They don't even love Jesus. And you're like, compared to them, you're killing it spiritually. But the problem is you need people in your life that actually challenge you spiritually. Like when you're around there, you're like, man, I got to get in the word more. Man, I got to spend some more time on my knees. I need people like that in my life because that's the only way we're going to be strong in faith. You can feel real good about yourself just by picking some people that are real low on the spectrum to be able to make you feel better. We need people to challenge us, to push us. 
if we're going to be everything God wants for us. Yeah, and I would speak to that. And, like, I feel like we don't want to be a culture of, like, you know, the fluffiness. We all just like to make things look beautiful on the outside. I don't want a fluffy friend. I don't want a friend that just tells me the things I need to hear. Yeah. I want a friend that tells me the things I actually don't want to hear and I might get mad at. Yeah. Yeah. But I need to hear because it's detrimental to my life, to my family, to my ministry, to all of it. Yeah. If you've got a fluffy friend and they're the only ones that are speaking truth into your life, you're in big trouble. Yep. You're going to yep. miss some things yep. that God has for you. And it could lead you down a path of destruction. Yep. That's what number three is that. You need, who do you have in your life to confront you? Who do you have in your life to confront you? Like to call the junk out. Do you have anybody in your life that can confront you? Now, number one, you have to allow yourself to be confrontable because some of us, some of us are not those. I mean, that's a struggle I have. I have to like calm myself and receive what's coming to me. But do you have anybody that can actually call the junk out in your life that will say those things to you? If you don't, then I would say that's a very dangerous place to be because if nobody can point out the, the challenges, then what can happen is you can start going down the wrong way and there's nobody to stop you. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep moving because we're going to run out. Are you got don't have anything fancy. Great. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> if I did, uh, who cares? We're done. Okay, <laughs> uh, go to number four. Number four, and some of you are like, I got this one. Who do you have in your life to party with you? Who do you have in your life to party with you? Okay, Amber Lynn's. I will bring the party. <laughs> That's it. I just wrote this down. Joy is multiplied in relationships. Because just think about it, something really cool happens in your life, and you're just like, I need to tell someone. Like, who do I tell? Because it's not fun when it's just you. Like, I need to, t I need, it's multiplied with other people. So who do you have to party with in your life? Okay? But I will say, I think sometimes, and maybe the teenagers are like, yeah, I have my group that I like to party with. That's how I was. I, I love to party. And I would maybe party the wrong way, that you should not party. They don't make you better. It doesn't strengthen you. Yep. So it's, you need to be very careful. What yep. does the party mean to you? Yep. It's the people that give you life. It's the people that aren't sitting there wondering about the worst parts of your day, but they're there to say, hey, I'm coming to bring joy in the midst of whatever you're walking through. I have those people. We have those people. Uh, one of Greg's friends texted me yesterday morning and said, come over for breakfast. He knew that he just needed to have fun. Just needed to hang out with people. That's what it can mean to bring the party. I mean, you can have fun wherever you go. It's just about your attitude. That's yeah. what I think. But. Yeah, but the, the context is this, and I want you to ask very specifically, who do you have in your life to party with you that parties the right way? Yeah. <laughs> it's leading you to a healthy place, okay? If that partying means you're drunk and high, we're not partying the way Christ is asking us to, okay? That's rock, running 180 degrees the wrong direction. There's no mincing words around that, okay? Well, that's what I was saying. I know that's what you were yeah. saying, and I'm just clarifying. <laughs> we're not going to have a fight before this sermon's over with. I believe it, We've Lord. We've made it this long. We've only got five more minutes. We can do it, Amber. We can do it. All right. Number five. Who do you have in your life that will cry with you? Who do you have in your life that will cry with you? You know... I was just going to say, you know, there are seasons where words don't matter. Yeah. There are seasons I pull up to a friend's house and I just need a hug. That's yeah. it. And they know that. Yeah. They don't need to try to fix the pain or take away the hurt. Yeah. They just need to be there yeah. for you. Yeah, I, re I remember specifically a moment that happened for me. It was probably 10, 12 years ago. And uh, 
it was when I was in the season of first getting diagnosed with Crohn's and I was at a summer of just, of, it was of hell. It was just pain all the time. I was hurting all the time. And I remember very vividly, I was in my office at the previous church I was a part of and I had, I had turned the lights off in my office and shut the door and I was in my office and then no one nice way of saying I'm just sitting there crying and, and in pain. And I was hurting really bad. And I, you know, I didn't want anybody to be around me or whatever. And my lead pastor, who's like a mentor and a friend to me, he, he knew I sometimes would work with my lights off. And so he tapped on the door and he just poked his head in and he saw me, he saw me sitting there just crying. And he, he opened the door, he stepped in, he shut the door. And I just, I just said to him, I'm just hurting so bad right now. And all he said was, Greg, I'm really sorry. And he stood there and he cried with me. I didn't need him to say anything. I didn't need him to fix anything. I knew there was nothing he could do. I just wanted to know I wasn't by myself. You know? And there's going to be the seasons in life that are like that. And the question is, do you have a person in your life, do you have people in your life that will just cry with you, that will be that person for you? Because we all need that. We all crave that. And I, and I know this, as we've shared from the beginning. It's possible you're waiting for somebody to be that for you. And maybe what you're hearing this morning is, could you be that for someone else? Maybe you need to take the step and find that person and say, you know what, I'm not waiting for somebody else to do it for me. I'm going to go do that for somebody else. Because we are all, all of us, no matter where you're at, we're all craving it. And we all need it. So I want, to get, I want to close with our big so what. And we always say this, so what, what's the point of this thing? Uh, it's this, personal doesn't mean alone. Personal doesn't mean alone. We all need to have a personal faith, 100%, but it can't be alone. You can't try to do this thing of faith alone. And, I, and I'm going to say this because some of you are like, been there, done that, Greg. Like I've tried, like I've even tried to be in a small group before, and it got messy, and it got weird. You're right, it will. <laughs> Why? Because people are messed up. You're messed up. I'm messed up. We're all messed up. And why does, well, why does God tell us we have to be in relationship with other people if it's going to get messy and hard? Because it's the only way you're going to grow in your faith. Like you can't grow. How do you learn to be patient? With people who are really easy to work with? No. The annoying people. Right? How do you learn to, to extend forgiveness? Is it when everything's great? No, it's when people hurt you. That's how you learn to extend forgiveness. That's how you learn to grow in your faith. And it's not fun always. It's not what we want to happen. But it's God's plan for your life. Like this is how we grow. This is how we become mature followers of Christ. It's in the context of community. It's with other believers. And that's why we desperately need it. That's why this is a part of God's crazy plan. Otherwise, it would like the moment we get saved, why don't we just go get zapped into heaven? No, he has something of this maturing that occurs part of the plan that he has for us okay so let's be honest life isn't easy faith isn't easy and we need each other through it you know the phrase we use all the time what do we say embrace the struggle embrace the struggle we do that together that's the kind of church that we're called to be that's why we say it all the time it isn't because it's a cute thing to say it's because we desperately need it every one of us is going to need it because here's the deal every single one of you are going to be in the dark moment you're going to be in the valley. You're going to be in the pit at some point. And, and the challenge is, who's going to be with us? And we need people that will crawl, not, not call us up, hey, come get up out of the pit. We need people that will crawl down in the pit with us. Yes. Sometimes just cry with us a little bit. Be with us. The 
walk with us as we walk through it, right? So I've got a challenge for you, very practical. Two steps for you. Number one challenge is this. Step further into community. I know this. Every time I, uh, I think about this, and I've, I've thought about this before, it's a chance of self-evaluation to say, okay, where am I at? Who do I have in these areas? Because it's possible that I've let some of those slide. Maybe you're with me. You're like, oh, I do have a person like that, but I haven't talked to them in like a month or two. Okay, step further into community. Maybe it means you need to take some more practical steps in your relationships. Like be intentional with those relationships, okay? Don't wait for somebody else. You be intentional. You take the step. But the very, very practical step is this, is that we'd sign up for a small group today. And you're like, ah, that's the hook, right? No, small groups is just a way, a way toward community. That's why. And so what have we done? We've got 30 groups launching today in the lobby. There's, there's groups. We've got leaders who have been trained and prepared to foster community for relationship. And you say, I don't know if I want to do that. You know what? Amber said this last week. The closest relationships that we have in our life started eight or nine years ago in a small group. We can vouch for it. It can work. There could be, your life could be totally different by the end of this summer. Your relationships could look totally different if you'd be willing to take the step. And so here's what it's going to look like this morning. Out in the lobby, there's all the group leaders are out in the lobby. When you walked in the door this morning, you received this that has a list of all the different groups the leaders, and what the groups are centered around. You'll notice the headings as young adults, family, couples. You'll see signs up all around the lobby. Under those signs, you'll see all the leaders from those groups, so you can go get to meet them if you'd like to get to know what a leader's like. But you, the registration is all going to be taking place online. So right now, you can even do this. If you take out your church center app and just click on the link that says groups at the bottom, all the groups are going to be listed there, and you can click join any one of those groups that you want to. Please don't join more than one. Okay, uh, if you, two at the most, we don't want to fill them all up with one person who decides I want to be in 30 groups this week, okay? Um, but you can do that on the app. You can also do that if you go to zchurch.org on the homepage. There's a link at the bottom that says small groups. Click that. There's a list of all the groups. You can do that. As well as when you walk through the lobby, there's a QR code. If you scan that, it'll pop up on your phone and you can look through it. But what I would encourage you when this service is over with is to go out. Go look at some of the different group leaders and see if there's a group that you'd be able to step into. They're going to go fast. We've got a lot of people in only 30 groups. So I would encourage you to, to take a step here today so that you're able to jump into one of the groups that's available for you. But our prayer isn't that we just do a thing today, but that God would do a thing to build a community in a way that we can't even plan. All right? So I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room. Would you stand up? And I want to pray a blessing over you. That we'd step into this. This wouldn't be a nice message, but this would be something that we take some action to this week. Let's pray over you. God, we thank you so much that you're at work. This is your church. You'll build it. But God, we also know that there's a sense of community and family here. And so I pray for every person, you just put something on their heart to take a step today. That they'd step in, do something that maybe feels a little uncomfortable to them today. But, but ultimately, it would reap rewards in their life and in their faith. God, help us to do that today. Lord, I pray divinely you would ordain relationships today, that the people, right people would find the right people today, and that you would create groups today out of your glory. We pray that. And help us this week not just to wait for somebody else, but would we take the step to be intentional in our relationships. We pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. And then I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. If you need prayer, please come receive prayer. Otherwise, go out to the lobby and check out.